Hello and welcome to Bluebells Forever, a podcast with interviews of Bluebell dancers past and present. Join Sherry Lewis, a Bluebell herself, as she leads us on a journey through story and experience. And now here's Sherry. Thank you for listening to Bluebells Forever podcast. I'm your host, Sherry Lewis. If you're enjoying this podcast and would like to help support the work and help us keep gliding like a showgirl into the future, there is a way to do that. We have a Patreon page, which I will post the link in the show notes and on our social media where you can be a patron for as little as 5 to $10 a month and just keep us going and help with production costs. There is a $20 tier where you receive extra bonus contents every month. One of those is a series we're doing called Circle Back, where I go back and re-interview the guest from the earlier season and hear what they're doing now and hear more of the story we were not able to get to in that amount of time. So this has been really fun to go back and reconnect with these wonderful, wonderful performers, costume designers, and more, and just to hear more of their story and to see what they're doing now. So there's more information, there's more bonus content, so if you want to check that out on our patron page, it would be wonderfully appreciated and just to help us with the cost of making this come to you. Thank you and have a great time and enjoy the show. So welcome Joe Conroy to Bluebells Forever podcast. Um, good to talk to you. I, You're in the UK right now and I'm in my kitchen in Seattle, which is always, every time it astounds me that we get to just join around the globe, like on our iPads or our laptop. So hi, how are you doing? Hi. I'm very well, thank you. I I am just so excited for this because, you know, what you have created is something that I think is such a great opportunity for people to understand our lives as uh, show, show men and show women and show girls. So, uh, yeah, I'm very excited for this interview. And it's interesting because Jeremy, who I interviewed, I think he was my first cast member of the Perry Merveille. I always just stumble through saying that. Yep. He knew more of the history than a lot of us that, that actually, like I got hired by Miss Bluebell. I, you know, had a little bit of one-on-one with her. Yes. I didn't know half the stuff that Jeremy knew. So I've been reading more and I've learned so much from doing this, but I'm really impressed that the younger generation knows their history and some people don't. And I heard that at the reunion last year or two years ago, it really was an education. Like who are these old broads coming to the reunion? And <laughs> I feel like it kind of bridged a gap that that's why doing this has been so fun is because I interviewed some ladies in their eighties that have their stories of being like really with Miss Bluebell, like constantly in the, in that era, which was very different and all the way through. And then seeing you guys have this, this thing that's still going, that's very different. It's definitely um, changed with the times and become adaptable. Yeah. Well, it was actually, um, it was Jeremy that introduced me to the, the phrase Kelly boy, obviously uh, Kelly Bluebell. So I, I, I always used to say, why am I called a Kelly boy? And yeah. uh, he, he kindly explained to me the, the history behind that and how Kelly Bluebell, you know, Miss Bluebell, she had her, she had her boys. So, and uh I was, I was one of her legacy Kelly boys, which was fantastic to have that title. <laughs> yeah, um, Kelly, Kelly boy, so you're not a bluebell boy. That doesn't sound right. No. And so, we're never uh, men or women. We're never like the, the, Kelly, the Kelly men and the bluebell women. It's like we're forever stuck in this youth word, which yeah. is good. Or a Lido so, boy. I, I like, a, I like oh, the title Lido boy. I like that yeah. one too. And a Lido yeah. man. I don't know if that's so appealing to go see the Lido, the Lido men, <laughs> the men of the Lido. Oh, yes. 
so you you were at the reunion because I have some pictures of you, which is so fun because I uh, did an interview with, um, oh my gosh, my brain, Leah. Leah. Yes. And she was in all my photos too. And I'm so I'm like, oh, these are the two that, that were out there for a reunion that we got to do the meet and greet and take pictures with you. Oh. And so I do have to say, I sought you out because so many of the people like Leah and, uh, oh my gosh, Amy, Alor, yes. Alor, there were several that had photos that you did. And I kept saying, who did these? Because they honestly were the most beautiful photos, okay. honestly, that I've ever seen Thank of, you. Of, of the showgirl glamour, but also there's something of this subtle beauty i mean the lashes and all the makeup are full but there's something yeah. of a softness it's not like normally when you do show pictures it's so much about like the you know stage. how big the lab that's staged so i kept trying to seek you out and then like oh, i want to make sure i tagged you because i'm like wait he's a dancer in the show that's what surprised me because i yes. thought they hired a professional dancer i'm like well that mm -hmm. makes more sense you know these people you know the show you capture something that a photographer may miss well Firstly, that reunion was incredible and it was possibly the one of the most just fulfilling evenings I had at the Lido because the energy and the 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 reaction that we got every time we came out onto stage, it was just incredible. And to have that opportunity to I've got goosebumps talking about it, but like to have the opportunity as a, you know, a young dancer to perform to people with the experience of what they had and and uh, the journey and the life and legacy that they created uh was just absolutely insane and Leah and I both um were able to we were asked to present a a kind of reunion birthday cake and um <laughs> I remember actually I was stood too close to the cake um and they had these sparklers like these uh very industrial fireworks attached to the cake and um and I remember that uh, Jane Sansby, our ballet mistress, she pulled me to one side because I was too close because the, <laughs> the cake just exploded. Um, so hopefully you we took some good photos of uh, of us when we were far away from the cake because uh, yeah, it was a, it was just an incredible atmosphere. And and I was lucky enough, like you said, to meet everyone prior to the show and take some photos with everyone and. Um, just hearing about everyone's stories and I was like wow and then and that made me so much so much more excited for that evening because I was like right time to uh time to actually show them what we can do um and yeah I'm just very grateful but um but yeah but then you said yeah about the photos and I um so it's a long story really and I I'm glad that you wanted to ask me and kind of get to know my story with this because um I I've never trained in photography. I'm not a professional photographer in any sort of way. I love a good photo, as we all do. You know, you know, make sure you get your good angle. Um, but I I bought myself a really nice camera on one of my cruise ship contracts, which I did for five years uh, straight out of college, and I never utilized it. I I, I it was very um, it wasn't it was it was kind of medium price range, but it was good enough quality to experiment with different style photography um, and then I I found myself uh, not using it so then a friend of mine I can't remember exactly when it was it was a, a couple of months into my contract she asked me to uh, take a photo of her and I said oh well I've got a nice camera if you want me to use that instead and she was like great um, and we went we went uh, onto the stage before the show and obviously the lighting was nice and uh, I played around with some of the settings 
and I, I accidentally switched on to black and white on my camera and I said, oh, let's just try this. It was like a high contrast uh, mono, which is the name of the, the filter or the, you know, the setting. And I said, OK, let's just try this. Give it a go. Um, and I loved it. From the moment I took the photos, I just said, these are incredible. And I, I found myself, uh, I, I've always had like a uh, photo photographic yeah photographic eye you know where you're the composition you can see it um and I took I took a few photos and she loved them and then she obviously posted some and then a few days later the girls saw those and said oh Joe can you take some photos of me and I was like okay great <laughs> and it just grew very very quickly um to the point where I was actually in demand and I kind of had to say okay right is this just a hobby or is this going to turn into something bigger? Um, and I had no idea at the time that it would turn into what it was. Um, and I'm just very grateful that I, I found something that I loved. Uh, and like you said, it's nice to capture the behind the scenes of a dancer, not in a staged way, because there are a lot of photos nowadays where, you know, white backdrop, performer, uh, you know, costume, cheesy smile, and that's that's the photo. Um, so it was nice for me to capture the dancers in a natural environment um, behind the scenes and in an in environment that they felt comfortable with as well. So, you know, we weren't trying to get photos on the Champs-Élysées outside the Lido in the freezing cold. Like it was that's our home when we lived there, when we, when we worked there. So we had photos, you know, where they were, um, you know, obviously the show is topless some of the dancers are topless um and i created a very good strong relationship with all my uh the performers that i was taking photos of and i said look if you want to you can um we can do it in a tasteful way and we can cover you um so obviously we kept we kept the integrity of the the photo for the show in case they were to post it on social media um and yeah they just turned out so much you know i just would never expected the level of quality and 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 every, before every photo shoot I said to the girls look you I don't know what we're going to take I don't know what sort of outcome we're going to have uh, with the photos and because I wasn't asking for any money for the photos um I was just doing it as a hobby I kind of took the pressure off myself I said well we're just gonna have a bit of fun uh and every single session I had with the girls there was at least probably a dozen photos that they loved uh, more than, you know, but there was at least a dozen that each girl could take and use uh, to, you know, um, just just share with people and, and have that opportunity. Because when we're, when we're going through the show, we don't always get an opportunity to stop and take a, a picture with the costume. I don't yeah. know if you've experienced this on a, on a, on a job, you know, we, we start the show, as soon as the music starts, we just, you know, it's the end of the show. And the girls really loved some of the costumes that they had, but they only wore them for two or three minutes and then they had to take them off. So I asked the girls, you know, to, to choose the costumes that they wanted to document, choose the costumes that they wanted to share with people in a photo. Um, and I found that all of the girls chose costumes that um, had like a bit of personality you know, so some of the some of the girls loved the, the flowers and the bubble, you know, the bubbly costumes, whereas some wanted more serious, seductive 
sexy photos and the in the the uh we have looking you know, at barricade which is barricade which is the um which is the number where they're all wearing the military jackets um, oh, and yeah. that was and that was a cool one to do because it's very powerful and very strong yeah uh, and then obviously there's the beaded and the jewels and the crystals, which is a very feminine approach to the photo. Um, so I had I had an opportunity to really get a lot of different emotion through the photo. Uh, and actually, mm. I liked using uh, I don't know if you've seen. So hopefully I'll send you some to post whilst we're talking about this. Um, but there was a lot where we were just using feathers. So the feathers, uh, the feather, the white feather um, fans, the feather, feather fans. fans. Oh, yeah, those so are we, my those we, are amazing. Yeah, so we 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 played around with those, and we played around with uh, we played around with a lot of things, and yeah, we just we had such a good time, and I miss I miss it. I really do. It was a huge part of my creative outlook uh, whilst at the Lido, uh, and I mentioned this to you, this to you about this before, and I said, you know what, I obviously my dancing, I am proud as a dancer, um, but a dance position will always be filled. You know, once one dancer leaves, another one will come along. Um, but I wanted to leave a legacy at the Lido in a way that was different from maybe the predecessors. So I said to myself, OK, well, I want to be known for for something and I want to be known. Um, I want to I want to give the Lido something um, before I leave, because I knew that I wasn't going to be there uh, for the long term. So um, so I decided, well, this is a great opportunity for me to to give something back you know I, they've given me the job and they've given me the opportunity so I want to give them something back via my photography um yeah and then that's it really I just uh yeah I just it kind of snowballed very quickly and actually it's funny because you um if anyone is interested in in following me I have an Instagram account it's very small um but it's called that's a joe photo and uh it is I chose that name because every time someone would see one of my photos they would say oh that's a Joe photo the Joe Joe took that. that that's Joe's photo right well that's a Joe photo wow. and, it, and it became like a yeah it became like a copyright almost of the photo uh and I, I loved it. it it really it made me happy that I found a brand and I found uh, a name for myself with it because uh again I, I just knew it was more than just a hobby for me like I knew it was something that would eventually go somewhere um but of course unfortunately because of uh COVID and and the the closure of the show things had to come to an end um with the photography so yeah when I when I post each episode I post some photos and I I think it was a Laura. I go, I can't narrow this down. Like, or, or all of them. There's so many. Aaliyah, like, I want to post a hundred because like the people my age, we have like maybe one good photo. And then there's the backstage, like you said, you're wearing them, you don't take photos. So we would, we weren't supposed to take photos of the costumes. It was supposed to be a no-no so that people don't see how, you know, until the show was going for a Hello Hollywood, the dressers were like, they would be fired if they showed any photos of the costumes. Yeah outside of that so we we did it i think they loose they loosen that restriction where we could take pictures but it's usually in the backdrop of like the 
hanging racks or the bathroom, you know, and the, well, the ter- terrible camera. So we don't have these photos. So yeah, I just think, you know, we're older. When I see a picture of me younger, it makes me go, I think we need that reminder that we were once young and beautiful. Uh, <laughs> but what these girls, the quality, like the, the gift that not for them to wait till they're my age to appreciate, but to look at it now of what you capture, because it's not like, here's me with a bunch of makeup. That's not really me. It, it looks like even though they're in the most glamorous form, it looks like them. Like it looks, and there's a softness that you capture that I think is why I'm so intrigued that it's, it's funny you say that because um, I obviously at the beginning, it was just a hobby. Um, but then the management began to notice that I was always taking photos and the girls were always posting the photos. So then it, then I had a, a meeting with the, the ballet mistress and the directors and, and they kind of said, look, it's, it's growing quickly and you're doing something really great for the business, for the, uh, for the leader, because it's an opportunity for people to see. Um, but they, it's almost like they wanted to make sure that I was doing it in the correct, um, with, uh, not cohesive, but, uh, that I was doing it in with the right level of, um, how do I say, um, integrity or integrity yes so so I kept the so I kept the the same costumes for the girls and the girls weren't borrowing other people's costumes and they weren't mix and matching the costumes so it was still giving the right appearance to the show um which the girls understood and I also ensured that the girls towards the end were asking um the management that they were able to do a photo shoot so they did simply sent an email to to our ballet mistress and asked if we can if we can have a photo shoot together um and of course I left that down to the girls because I was uh, you know I, I again I was just doing it as a hobby so for me I didn't want to take it too seriously <laughs> but but the girls a lot want, really wanted the photos um and like you said it's nice for them to come away from the Lido and have the opportunity to share photos with you know their families and their you know their potential future children uh, and say look you know look what mum did or look what dad did so um so yes yeah, so I'm very grateful that I've been able to I I unfortunately didn't get a lot of photos myself um, I was going to ask you because I wanted some photos when we post about your episode like yeah who's going to take uh, yeah. that kind of quality for you I did I did have uh I did have a couple of dancers that took my camera and did it but it's never the same <laughs> is it I was like I, I just, you know, I, I was very confident with my camera. And I think that people, because they saw the quality of the photos that I was taking, because I'd grown the quality and, and grown, I, I almost taught myself um, that they felt nervous to take photos. And I was like, no, just, just take some. <laughs> uh, I do have, I do have some photos of me, but um, yeah, it's, um, it was a very enjoyable experience. I tell you. Yeah. Wow. Well, cause I was thinking we, we're going to go into your, um, dance timeline because if you're on a cruise ship you weren't you because of the, all the fabulous places you traveled were you pulling that camera out then for nature or I you was. were okay because sometimes people are more attracted to human faces or bodies or nature or some people are both no. but so i i predominantly used the camera for travel photography um but i actually bought the camera at the end of my contract so i didn't use it straight away and then um so that was in 2018 and then I I moved pretty much after my five years of traveling on the cruise ships I pretty much came straight to Paris so I I did use the photo I did use the camera in Paris you know uh, taking pictures of the Notre Dame and when it was there and um 
you know, all the different landmarks in Paris. And I found myself enjoying it, but I never utilized having a camera um, like I did. Um, yeah. And also I, I went straight. Uh, yeah. I went straight into kind of work as well. Um, so I didn't have an opportunity to use it in a way that for traveling or documenting anything, I just went straight into another job. So, which I was very grateful for, but, uh, yeah, it just kind of got put into the bag and put under the bed, unfortunately. <laughs> well, I'm glad uh, you brought it out because I feel like it's a gift because every time when I post an episode in the photos, the people in the show, it's so fun for them to see their friends in such a glamorous way, but it's also fun for us older ones to see we didn't have that quality of photography and we don't yeah. have that same thing for our memory books, but it's really fun for us to see it now that it, 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 there's something that brings back wonderful memories. And it also, I think it just epitomizes the show girl, the show boy in a, in a way that's, I think on several of these episodes, people talk about in America, they don't like the show girl has an awful connotation, like your strippers or in Vegas, you know, there's girls with their hair hanging down with a headpiece on that are standing you know like that's not a showgirl so it's not just about the beauty but also there's something about dignity and grace that I think you your photography for me it almost feels like a healing of of what we've had to like fight for what a showgirl dancer is and have to keep going against the stereotype and the assumptions that people have so I just yeah. think that you've captured something like this this is a beautiful portrait of the collective of what it is to be yeah a bluebell dancer or, or the Moulin yeah. Rouge or there's, I think there's, there's some kind of, of dig, dignity and softness oh, that you add that I think is like, it works retroactively for a lot of yes. us to, to see. We were part of that, even though we're, I, our photos aren't so glamorous now. <laughs> well, I, I like, I like the, I, so for me, black and white photography is obviously something that I predominantly use. Um, and to begin with the black and white, worked well with the lighting so I was like great this will stay but then I found myself actually enjoying the the image composition more than the the worrying about the different colors and the you know different backgrounds or if they have a blemish or their skin's uh red or irritated because black and white photography you don't see any of that you just see the beauty of the body and the silhouette and the um, the costume outline and and the shapes that create are created that's was something that drew to drew to my attention straight away is actually I love the simplicity of it and the ability to strip back the photo of lots of different like I said lots of different colors and and things that distract your eye so, mm. so the black and white photography is very uh capturing uh, you know in that sort of sense um yeah so let's let's get to your story as a dancer because I, I I was I want to relate this a little bit to, to your photography still because when we have our show we've had people take photos and like they capture it when the leg is coming down or they're turning away and so like moving dance it's hard but like even still shots dancers see it differently like a dancer shooting yeah. is going to capture things that a non-dancer doesn't get so you you have a dance history that makes you probably see yeah. and feel and, and see a performer, not just as the performer, the person underneath yeah. it. So what oh. is your growing up with, where'd you grow up and when did so you start dancing? I, yeah. So I was, a, I was quite a late bloomer. Um, I started dancing when I was about 13. Um, and immediately I fell in love with, I just fell in love with it. Like it made me happy. 
you know, I was I was very lucky to go to a dance school on the Isle of Wight, which is an island in the south of um, England. And I found myself very, it was a, you know, it was an opportunity for me to feel my most comfortable, uh, you know, because obviously at school I was, I was very heavily bullied and I didn't want to, uh, I, I just wanted to hide a lot at school. So for mm-hmm. me, dancing was an opportunity for me to just release you know everything going on inside my brain um so I just I went to dance probably about three or four times a week and it wasn't like I said it was just it was a happy place for me um but then obviously my dance teachers (laughs) very quickly realized okay you've got something we want to help you take the next step and go to obviously go to a dance school and I remember thinking, oh, okay, no, that's silly. That's not, that's not for me. Uh, and they were like, no, seriously, like you're, you're very talented and you can do well. So, um, so I auditioned for probably about three or four colleges at the age of 16. Uh, well, I was, I was 15 at the time uh, to go away at 16. And wow. it was a very daunting, very daunting experience. And I auditioned for a school called Tring Park School for the Performing Arts and um I remember when I first went there, I my grandparents were very supportive and they wanted me to do well. But we all arrived and we all said, oh, this is a very posh. Like it looked like Hogwarts. You know, I felt, <laughs> we all thought we all thought it was very much out of my league. And I, I said, I don't know if I'm good enough. I just don't know if I'm good enough to go here. And um, I auditioned and they loved they loved you know, they loved me straight away, which was lovely. I think they just liked my energy. I was just, you know, a very bubbly person. And that was something I inherited from my grandma. And um, I I obviously did the first audition. And then the second audition, uh, I was unable to attend for the, for the scholarship. Um, you have to audition separately. And I remember my grandma went through some chemotherapy and, and was unable to take me that day. So we, we explained the situation to the school and uh, they said, you know what, we remember you so well that we're going to offer you a scholarship uh, straight away. So I just thought, wow, this is meant to be. And I, I just I oh, my grandma was so happy, bless her and God rest her soul. And just, um, you know, she 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 pushed me uh, in a positive way, not in a, you know, you must do this. But she was very encouraging and she saw how much I loved it. So then I went there. Uh, spent three years there it was a boarding school it was incredible um, and then I went uh, to an aud- a few auditions when I was 18 19 and one of them was for Royal Caribbean one of the you know biggest and best cruise line companies out there um, and I got myself my first job so I left early from my third year of college and did that and it was the best five years of my life I did five uh, individual contracts on the cruise ships uh, leading up to a contract when I did Mamma Mia, the musical, the book musical, it's two and a half hour musical. Um, <clears throat> and I was lucky enough to be um, the, the dance captain for the last three contracts. So I had a lot of responsibility, a lot of, you know, a lot of pressure and a lot of uh, people watching me, which is lovely. Um, but it got to the point where I needed to do something different. So I decided to, I saw an opening for a show in Paris. Uh, at Disneyland Paris uh, it was called Mickey and the Magician and I thought okay what's this about uh, you know and I, I YouTubed some of the show and I liked what I saw I thought you know what this might be a fun opportunity for me just to mix it up a bit uh, so I went to the audition 
and I I got the job and they they said look it was a last minute audition actually and they said can you you know can you start next week and I was like oh god okay uh, so I just packed my bags went to Paris wow. as you do uh, and and I didn't look back to be honest and then from there I was able to audition for the Lido uh, and I mentioned to you this uh, this to you previously is that I, I was hired for the world tour of the Lido which unfortunately wasn't unable to go ahead um, so so that kind of threw a spanner in the works um, but then from that they offered me a position in the Paris Mauvais show uh, on the Champs-Élysées which I took mm. with both hands and both feet right. and everything <laughs> you know I, I grabbed it and I was like I'm taking it um, and then yeah so then I was there from March the middle of March 2019 up until Covid hit and unfortunately I didn't get a last performance I left very unexpectedly um, I think from the moment I wake, I woke up one morning to leaving and getting on the Eurostar was a few hours. Um, it was very stressful and a very horrible experience to just leave my home. Um, but I was able to go back in June to pack up my apartment and leave and um, bid uh, au revoir for now. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's kind of my story. And then obviously I'm back in the UK, which I'm happy because I'm able to you know, be with loved ones and be with family members and <clears throat> find opportunities that I maybe have not explored before because of my restrictions and my uh, commitment to dance. So, um, yeah, that's that's me in yeah. a little <laughs> in summary. <laughs> well, yeah. we'll, 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 we'll go back a little bit and then come to that because I really want to talk about, because I've interviewed a few of how abrupt that was, like, with COVID yeah. like do you stay do you leave do you go home and you're making these huge decisions oh. with no understanding of how long this is going to go on and am I coming back so let, we'll come back to that so I went on the cruise ship did you do musical theater before were you a singer or for Mamma Mia that's like a big singing show yeah so I um so I trained predominantly as a dancer that was my training um I dipped my toes into singing uh, I never studied it fully. Um, I just knew what was required and I knew kind of how to hold a tune and to, to read music a little bit. So uh, when the opportunity came up for the book musical, I had to actually audition further for the role. Um, I was ensemble with Mamma Mia, but obviously dance captain was another position that was enough. <laughs> um, yeah. So I was in charge of 24 cast members and I had to yeah and I had to know 24 tracks in the show um inside and out choreography you know and we had acting coordinators and we had singing coordinators and and, and other people and musical directors so I didn't have to I didn't have to uh give notes on the singing uh, I was microphoned you know I had a mic which um I don't know what the audience heard but hopefully it was something good. Um, but, you know, it's, it's Mamma Mia. The, the music from ABBA is very well known. And I found myself enjoying singing the harmonies and singing the things that I had to sing. So, yeah, I think the hardest thing for, uh, for me in that show was singing. Uh, I don't know if you've seen the musical or the, mm -hmm. the movie, uh, the, the number Lay All Your Love where oh, the, the yeah. boys are wearing the flippers and they, they're, right. they're wearing the wetsuits. And I remember thinking, how can I sing whilst running on stage with a pair of 
scuba flippers attached to my feet and uh it was difficult because obviously you're bouncing up and down to try yeah. and get the the stable stable harmonies but yeah um oh but yeah I loved it I absolutely loved it did you have like an idea that you wanted to be a professional dancer or like well I auditioned and I got it and then this takes me to here because sometimes we just kind of get caught up in the, the stream and we're going to the next thing was that like your desire for your life was to be a professional dancer um yes I think it's very easy to be conditioned to a lifestyle that other people want for you um so I think from a young age everyone else around me was was so you should be a dancer you should do this and then you kind of just assume oh well if everyone's telling me I'm going to be a dancer I'll just do it um but luckily I did find love for it through my own experience and I did find mm. that I, I wanted it for myself because there are a lot of careers out there that you tend to do because someone else wants it for you um yeah. which you know is awful because then you you end up spending years of your life where you're not happy um but I am I'm 27 now so I've I've you know been a professional dancer since the age of 19 um and yeah and I, I've loved the experience I've loved the the, the the journey of exploring my different styles as well because you know it's, it's like it's like anything you, you you find a taste for things like I found a taste for contemporary at one stage and then I found love for um uh well sh you know the showgirl stuff and I found love for for that sort of style of dance and yeah I just I've kind of gone through stages um yeah well, this, the fact that you, because boarding school is not a thing in the United States that we get, that at 16, you would leave your family and go live somewhere else. Oh, I, I hear so many people that do that. I'm like, I can't imagine my kids at 16 with me not hanging on to their arm going, don't leave. Yeah. So just the fact that you were ready to go and then to go on these cruises, because there's, I did cruise ships too. And I, we were talking about the difference. Like when I did it in the eighties, we had just the dance floor where the band played. And then the audience can only see below the thigh if they're three rows back when the ship rocked on that one you were we'd be sliding on our stools and yeah. we would change yeah. back where the pit the pac-man game was behind the curtain and so then i've seen the ship since i'm like our our stage looks like where you guys would just be putting your presets <laughs> like the the, yeah. the caliber of the of what they're oh. expecting and what the what the people coming on the ship are expecting too like you're it's broadway like this is going to be the well, top quality and there's like rigging and things that we didn't have and yeah like what was well, the, like the, the musical was a book musical so as much as it was owned by Royal Caribbean it was also owned by Little Star Productions which owns the rights to Mamma Mia on Broadway and the West End so we had constant eyes on us we had constant reviews uh, and we had constant people coming on to check that the quality of the show was of the caliber of a Broadway musical so you know we with the the costume and the set was the the, the, the costumes were costumes taken from the Broadway show um so oh. we had everything it was it was to the to the t uh so it was a very enjoy it was enjoyable experience but it was very um yeah it was a very pressurizing experience and obviously as dance captain I had the responsibility to make sure that the quality of the show was up to par always um so you know with reblocks and people getting sick you know it's not like I can just call up someone and say oh such and such is off tonight can you can you come and cover them we didn't have that luxury on a ship you know everyone is being used so when someone is down 
it was a case of all hands on deck, quite literally, and we had to find we had to find a solution. So my job as a dance captain was to to make the show cohesive and you know that obviously with Mamma Mia there's storylines so you can't just take a character out you have to have understudies and you have to make sure they know what they're doing and then you have to fill the position that the understudy was previously in um with other people and it was yeah it was a mathematical puzzle to try and create uh, something so high caliber but so accessible for a cruise ship um but yeah that's and then I went to Disneyland and danced with Mickey Mouse. <laughs> so <laughs> well, on, on the ship, you also did like a review show, right? So you do the book show yeah. and this is within the same week. Do you, like, cause the audience is, yeah. they're not going anywhere. So they need the variety. So, so on my last contract, we did seven day cruises from Fort Lauderdale. So we would do a Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Mamma Mia. I would have Wednesday and Thursday to recover. And then <laughs> we would have Thursday, two shows and a Friday, oh no, sorry, uh, Friday, two shows and Saturday, one show performance of a show called Blue Planet, which was the review show. And that for me was actually harder than, than, than Mamma Mia because it was a lot of aerial. So I would do lots of, uh, I did a number with like a girl attached to my waist with the bungee. So we would get lowered in from the ceiling and she would bungee from my shoulder and, sh- and bungee from my hips. Uh, and then we had a number with some <laughs> flying, you know, with silks and and I did that. And then there was a trampoline number. There was it was just huge. Like the the level of production was insane. So and then we were started all again on a Sunday. Um, wow. It was just yeah. Was, and then new guests would obviously sign uh, would get on board the ship um and then yeah you just you you do it all again and that was your life for I did it for nine months on the ship so I was three months on land learning the shows and then nine months on board so a year a year in total did um wait where'd my brain just go what did you do on your downtime or were you just so wiped out? Did you go into port because some people I when I worked on the ship they were hung over constantly so they never did anything I was like I don't know if I'm ever going to get back to these places, but after you've been to the island for the 12th time, like, do you- I, <laughs> I mean, I, I also, you know, worked hard then and played hard. Um, I would, I would, I would kind of find a balance. I, I used to enjoy just going off and, uh, you know, lying on a beach somewhere and just relaxing. However, I also used it as an opportunity to catch up on admin and paperwork and the work that I'd not wanted to do. Yeah, I was constantly when we also had other opportunities and other duties to do. So, you know, for some of the other shows, we had an ice ice skating rink on board where the professional ice skating cast, like an Olympic ice skating cast. So they would have their shows on the days off that we had. So our duty was to spotlight their shows. So we took it in turns to to spotlight. Um, their production shows um there was other duties such as uh you know we had to do uh, like boat drill uh so we had to you know ensure that every turnaround day we everyone was allocated a station a muster station which is if the ship is to go down the dancers apparently are the best people to look after them because i think they're just <laughs> they're expecting them to give them a song and dance if the ship's right. you know about to sink <laughs> quick <Bye-bye>. you know <laughs> oh give them a give them a super trooper number um and then yeah so That's it's funny yeah 
Um, so the, the, because it's how, there's so much variety, but there's a lot of work. I think people think dancers on cruise ships are just like, honestly, our cast, we worked, I think we, I told you we had three nights a week. We also traveled because we were on two different ships with a weird travel schedule, but we didn't do any crew duty. I think it was just for a few years. Somehow we got away with it. I never did one lifeboat drill. If the boat went down, I was just going to find out where, where to go. <laughs> but I didn't do any of that, but I know like cruise ship stuff, they fill up your calendar. So you're not just doing this whole Caribbean oh. relaxation experience and a couple shows here and there. You're, they're working oh. you so hard. There is always something, always something. And I think for me, it was, I never switched off for nine months. You know, you can't, you cannot switch off because as soon as you do, you're going to have to you catch yourself back up again um you know and and even for like the show with the understudies we had to ensure that all of the understudies knew what they were doing so then we'd have understudy rehearsals and kind of would do the show but with different combinations of people um so that everyone had a relationship that they knew who they were working with if that makes sense so like for instance mm. the characters the main characters all had worked with each other during an understudy run so that when they went on to a performance it wasn't a shock to them and it wasn't the first time that they were interacting in that character because we actually had um so I don't know if you're familiar with Mamma Mia but there's uh <laughs> there's three dads and there's the you know Tanya Rosie and Donna the, the mums and there was a member of the cast a female member and a male member of the cast who understudied all three roles so that's their role in the show but they were also in the ensemble a little bit but it was my job and a few other coordinators to ensure that they knew every single role and uh, and, and had worked with every single person. So yeah, it was it was it was a, like I said, it was a huge mathematical puzzle. Um, yeah. So when you were in Paris for Disney, how long was that contract? That was six months. Um, was that a very different lifestyle like were you <laughs> yes uh it was <laughs> it was a lifestyle a that just gave me an opportunity to find my love for dance again um and and not be worried and tied down with with responsibility um so yeah and I, I loved it it was an incredible performance uh, an incredible show you know there was tap in the show there was jazz there was uh there was just so much there was contemporary there was you know an opportunity to, to just do so much um yeah so what did what did you know of the Lido had you heard of it have you did you know because you meet so many dancers in these shows that say hey there's the show here but what was your yeah. uh, acknowledgement uh, or, or no, so knowing the first of it time, so the first time I knew about the Lido was actually on one of my cruise ship contracts because the shows on the ships are there there's a few called sequins and feathers which are uh specific for our genre and culture of showgirl and showboy performers and i actually had two guys in my cast that went well, they were in bonheur the previous show to paris Mauvais, and uh i remember people saying oh we've got two boys from the lido and I was like, what's the lead up? And they explained <laughs> to me. And then I remember when they met me, they said, oh, you would love it. You would absolutely love it. And I was like, really? Uh, and then gradually, I think I just found more people within my network that had worked at the Lido or knew about it and just conversations sparked up. And it was just, uh, it was a form of networking. Uh, yeah. And then I found myself actually very interested. And when the opportunity came up, um, whilst I was in Paris, I just said, right, it's time <laughs> it's yeah. time for me and I remember actually when I watched the show I watched the show with a few friends and I remember sitting in the audience and I I saw it and I saw I said you know what 
I'm going to be in that one day. Like I, I manifested it and yeah. I didn't know how and I didn't know when, but I said to myself, do you know what? I'm going to be up there. And then it happened. And I remember where I sat in the, in the cell, in the auditorium. I remember exactly what table I sat at watching the show with a glass of, you know, glass of bubbly. And I said <laughs> that that's what I'll be doing in my life so what yeah. appealed to you about it watching because you've you know the sh- ships is different and then disney but what, what was there something that you went this is my next I thing was, or i haven't done it or there's something alluring that is a challenge it was, just, it was just the culture it was just the adult um it was the maturity of it i think because uh, i've done because i've done performances that are all singing all dancing you know tits and teeth um <laughs> I I loved that culture and I loved that review show lifestyle. And then obviously working at Disney was very like smile all the time. But then moving into the, the cabaret world was an opportunity for me to grow up. And mm. it was an opportunity for me to become a different sort of performer and a much more engaging performer because I was able to utilize my age and utilize my ability to my versatility as a performer to to adapt to that sort of lifestyle um but yeah I think that was that was the thing that drew me in um it was actually the number <laughs> I'm a, I, don't, I don't know if I can say this but there was the number with the grand robe which is the girl with all of the men that come out of the dress in yes. their underwear yeah and I remember th- I remember thinking to myself could I ever stand on stage in my underwear like happy with my body and with my you know with you know with myself and uh and I remember the first time I did it I just remember thinking oh god I'm on stage and my underwear is happening <laughs> <laughs> um so not, yeah so, not in the Disney show I have a question yeah. about that because I know like being a female performer like or weight you know like we didn't have weigh-ins back in the day but I know that over the years that's been a thing like if you're a little bit overweight but also if you're wearing a g-string you don't want your there's nowhere to hide your belly for the guys is there pressure or is it just the show makes you get there like what your chest and back and all that as a guy there was there was definitely a pressure um it was a it was a it was a healthy pressure like it wasn't uh you know they didn't create a nasty toxic environment but it was definitely uh an opportunity for us to maintain our physique um which i found difficult at times because I, i unfortunately lost my grandma which any sort of grief you know Mm. is difficult to go through but maintaining my weight at that time was difficult so I was found myself going very skinny and not eating well and obviously on stage you can see it uh so yeah it it was a tough experience mentally to go through that but you know everyone's very supportive and everyone kind of looks out for each other but again you're with each other six days a week and you don't always notice people around you putting on or put or taking off weight because you're you're with them every yeah. single day so yeah oh, that's it's hard yeah. I think like when I interview people like in the course of a year in a contract people are going to go through really hard times and you could say this is my family but sometimes like my family is like this close like when you're going through there it's nice you've got that camaraderie but sometimes it's hard because like maybe you don't even notice the person next to you is suffering because you see them every day gaining or losing but also their mental yeah like I feel like there's some really good things in in that close proximity but also sometimes it's almost harder to let yourself be seen in a hard place yeah yeah it was it was um it was an opportunity for me to really 
I'm, I made some friends that I will, you know, call friends for life because they went through, they helped me through the times uh, that I was going through. So that's what I would take away from it is, um, you know, it was, I it identified people that actually did care and did want to look out for me, um, yeah. which, you know, it's, it, a mental health is a huge umbrella in itself. That's a whole nother podcast, <laughs> but yeah. I, yeah. I think as a dancer, it's important to always check in with yourself and always just ask yourself, you know, am I okay today? Am I good? Because at the end of the day, we go on stage and we put on a performance for the audience and we help the audience. We help take the audience away from their reality. You know, so if they're having troubles in their life, they come to see a show and they just forget about their problems and watch us. But as a performer, we, Mm. where do we go? You know, where do we go to to hide our problems and to cover those problems up so yeah, yeah. it's a tough one um, I did, yeah there's the expectation that you just do it for everybody else yeah so uh, what was that like that year contract well did you finish the full year or you would have if it weren't for no COVID, right? so I did I did about 11 months um I did from the middle of March until oh no actually I probably actually did about a year I think I did two days short of a year um but my contract was supposed to finish at the end of June. Uh, and then I was planning on going away another, on another cruise ship. Um, mm. But obviously that's not happening uh, for the time being. So, What was drawing you back to the ships? I mean, because a year in Paris could be like really fun, but it's like, if you've got that adventure, because it sounds like even our pre-interview, there's new things, new is exciting and change is exciting, but staying in one place is not so much. I think for me, it was the opportunity to, to do something new and move my body in a different way. Uh, I think as a performer, it's definitely important to be creative in different ways, um, whether it be different choreography or different show. Um, So I found myself actually wanting to explore new genres of dance and to to do that. And I was contacted by Broad Caribbean. Um, they, They offered me something that I thought, you know, well, actually this might be a great opportunity for me to to explore a new new avenue uh and obviously the money's great the the you know the opportunity to see the world uh there was a lot there was a lot drawing me to it um and I said you know what the leader will always be there and they they kind of gave me a very open invitation and said you know when you're ready to come back you can uh if there's a position available so I said great um I left on very good terms which is that's so great like because Royal Caribbean calls you like when you don't have to go and hustle anymore and you know like I can go back to this and you don't have to like give your whole life and every ounce of your blood to your job because well they actually for you they actually came to Paris and uh to hold some auditions and I they contacted me and they asked me to lead the audition so I, I I hosted the audition and taught the choreo to the to the dancers auditioning for Royal Caribbean in Paris um (laughs) and then and then I invited them and they all came to see the show that evening um which was lovely so they watched me perform and yeah it was a it was a great opportunity it was a great opportunity for uh for for a bridge between yeah so we're now because we we, everybody I've interviewed this COVID like we had no idea how long and like do we just go home for a while? Do we stay in Paris and ride it out? Well, obviously you can't ride that out for a year, but people were making decisions so quick to stay or go. What what helped you to figure out what to do to wait it out? Like, were you going to be done anyway and might as well just leave Paris? Well, seeing a thousand euros 
for rent coming out of my account every single month was the driving force for me. I said, yeah. I need that money. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it was an opportunity for me to hand in my notice for the flat that I was staying at and to, to obviously go pack up my apartment um, until further notice, which again, to be continued. Um, right. So yeah, I think it was an opportunity for me to just, um, yeah, just to explore new opportunities. Um, and uh, I'll never say, I'll never close the door on Paris, but for now it's just an opportunity for me to find something new. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, because you could go back without any attachment and just gratitude for what you had and you can see it as a, yeah, not, not quite a tourist, but the things that you don't get to see when you live there because you're too busy. Yeah, there. right. Yeah, exactly. And I think I, I lost, it's like anything when you, when you overwork something, whether it's a muscle of your body, you know, it becomes tired and it becomes unappreciated. And I think yeah. for me, I was just over worked at the Lido to the point where I didn't appreciate and value what I had so again like you said to go back and visit and have that sort of appreciation will be very valuable for me (laughs) Um, yeah and you need a rest well we were talking about COVID too because um it's taken away opportunity it's taken away identity if you're like if some people who are a dancer if they don't know themselves as anything other than a dancer we're kind of an identity crisis Mm-hmm. Or also find out things we didn't know we were good at or wanted to do because we've been caught up in this like, phew, you know, yeah. bullet train of, of our career. And so what has COVID been like for you coming home and like, maybe I am going to dance, maybe I'm not. What do what? I really like and want to do? Well, I, once I came home, I identified that I needed to put some time and effort into my health, um, yeah. which is something I didn't put a lot of energy into uh and I decided to start a health and wellness network marketing business which I love and I'm very passionate about because it's an opportunity not only to help myself but to help others you know understand the relationship with their mind body and their skin and their soul uh so that's something I'm very passionate about and I think is an opportunity for me to grow alongside my dancing career uh whatever that looks like (laughs) right now Um, yeah so to be honest I've actually been quite busy in lockdown and and focusing on that and personal development a lot of of, I've I've released a lot of self-limiting beliefs that I've put on myself over the last 27 Mm. years and um yeah I'm 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 overcoming stuff now that I never really put much time and energy into Um, because I always say energy goes no focus or something I can't I don't know the phrase I'm trying to think of but something goes <laughs> where and it, something flows you know and it's it's about identifying where your oh energy goes where focus flows you know so whatever you're focused on your energy is going to go to and, and I think sometimes you put your energy in lots of different areas because your focus is on lots of different areas yeah so. well even before we recorded we're just saying there's things that we've done like do I like this <laughs> like some but it is like I yeah. actually really like this. Like I, I went, cause you said you want to do a podcast. That was when we did our little I talk do. before, like, because I knew I'm a podcast junkie. I listened to way too much political stuff and I listened to mental health things. I listened, I mean, so many things, but when I was in Paris and I was listening to the stories, like, this is it. Instead of, I thought maybe I want to do one about all dancers, but then it was bluebell specific because there's so many stories. Just, just if it was only the people on stage then and in the audience, there was enough stories for 10 years of material 
Uh, but then you go back over the generations. So it was this thing that maybe if COVID had not happened, I would have put off because there's other things that needed to get done. Yeah. But there's things that, that like with this pause, there's other things I've been doing, like, and not just to say, I like, like, oh, I'm actually good at this without feeling like prideful. Like this is something that my life has led me to from all the, we were talking about this too. Yeah. Like, you can have a million different jobs and focus. Like I like health. I like wellness like this, like, oh, all of these can yeah. go together. So I'm just curious where you are in this. Now you've had time to like, see where all your energy has been going, where I you think, would like uh, to see it. I, I think I said this to you before, but I, I, I want to use dance as a, I want to do performing because I want to, not because I have to. And I think as dancers, we are forced to do it, to put food on the table and to, you know, to live. Whereas yeah. it's nice to find an opportunity like I have with a business that can grow and uh, create, you know, sustainable income that. I can then find opportunity to dance because I want to and enjoy it and feel present and to have the purpose yeah. behind what I'm doing and to utilize it in such a way that I feel like an asset instead of, you know, um, or he's, you know, I don't want someone to look at me and say, Oh, he's just tired and he's run down and he's this, but you know, he has to do it. So yeah, I think there's two routes as a dancer we can take um, because again, because we have to, or because we want to. Uh, so yeah well there's there's you're 27 you're still young but like for a lot of us the mindset is like you only have this many years so you got to take every opportunity you got works hard because it can be gone but that also makes us panic <laughs> but if oh, you, yeah. oh if I could choose and I only do one show here and there like the freedom to enjoy it instead of like there is this this thing in a lot of our mind is like you only get this much time so if you don't take every opportunity you're never going to get it where if you actually pause and your health and mental health and body health are in a better place what a difference dance would be but I don't yeah. think a lot of people can feel it until they've stopped and they're like oh my god I'm so tired you yeah. know like I didn't I didn't really, see half really. my life because I was going so fast like I don't want to like make COVID like this wonderful gift giver and dismiss how much pain there's been but yeah. there are some things that pause has brought up in artists like like just people I've interviewed like production and like with your photography, you, your, if you have bad knees, that's not going to change your photography life too much. Or if your hips are worn out from doing the can yeah. can, True. you can do longevity and kind of maybe even make your dance life longer because you haven't just yeah. pounded it into the ground in that short amount of time that we thought we had. Exactly. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Wow. Well, we're yeah. going to, I want to follow when you finally decide what your podcast is. I think it is like when you know, you'll know, like just watching you yeah. on other things, like you'll just like, ding, there it is. It will, it will happen. Yeah. yeah and it, there's no rush. I think we've kind of learned that too. There's not a rush to, to try yeah. to do everything. So yeah. I will, we will find you. We'll put your stuff in the show notes as far as like, that's a Joe's photo, Joe photo, because I just wanted to share it with the world because I honestly, like, I see a lot of photography. This was like, everyone needs to see this. Everyone, uh -huh. I don't know why it's moving me so much that I wanted to share it with people, but we will make sure people uh -huh. see that. And also that they can Thanks. support you in that, like, you know, maybe, you know, you don't have to give everything away at some point. We go, you know what, there's a time I'm actually really good at this. And I yeah. can actually like understand that I'm worth this much. To, for all my work and my 100%. yeah 100 so, is before we go is there anything you would like to just say to your dancers out there if they're coming back to the show or not coming back because you don't you didn't get to have a closing show you didn't have a proper goodbye or a send-off like a lot of times when it's your last show you get to do 
or a show um, closes together, but you are all over the world right now. I think for me, I would just like to say to everyone, you know, stay strong, stay, stay resilient. And we have, we have done it before. You know, if, if we can do six nights a week with two shows every night, we can do this, you know, we can mm -hmm. do this period of our life uh, because I think as dancers, we are the most resilient kind of people with what's thrown at us. Uh, so this is just another obstacle that we get faced every single day. Um, so yeah, just to stay resilient and to, to just use this time that we didn't get necessarily when we were performing. Uh, and also when we do go back to performing, just a reminder to stay grateful for what we do. Oh. Um, because I think it's easy to lose that. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So just so so remember resilience and gratitude. I think are two words that I would encourage people mm -hmm. to think about. Joe, you've made me cry tw twice today, <laughs> but it's not it's not because people can say that exact same thing and have it feel like a platitude. Like just chin yeah. up, mates. But it feels no. so real coming from how you say it that I'm like, oh my gosh, we need to hear these things. So yeah. um, no. I don't, I don't cry often with, with I mean, I do I cry a lot, but there's certain <laughs> things that, when they surprise me, like, oh, that wasn't like somebody telling me about their dog dying. That was just like giving no. a, piece, a piece of hope in the midst of like, what are we yeah. doing? So um, I just feel so honored to get to interview you because it really was like, uh -huh. we talked on the Thank phone you. yesterday and then we set it up in a day and I'm like, I, yeah, so I'm just, you're just a wonderful human. I just feel like every person I get to talk to that's been in this business has something unique to offer. And I think, you know, something of how you, um, I'm going to say expand beauty for us, you know, yeah. in, in, a, in a different way than just the fabricated kind. So yeah, yeah I think you're going you're gonna to keep doing it, whatever your essence or your, your purpose is, yep. you're going to always be doing that. So absolutely. Nothing's going to uh, stop me. Thank you, Sherry. Thank you so much. It was a wonderful, okay. wonderful thing. And I'll see you somewhere, maybe Paris for a coffee or something. Yes, absolutely. Or England. All right, take okay. care. Take care. Bye. Bye.